Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. Today we're going to be talking about merging a personal brand with a wine brand. And our guest is Kyle McLaughlin, who is the owner proprietor of Pursued by Bear Winery up in Walla Walla, Washington. But he's also probably best known as Cooper from Twin Peaks, but has had a long career in acting with everything from Sex in the City to How I Met Your Mother. Kyle, welcome to the show. Hey, Robert. Nice to be here with you. Thank you. Nice to talk with you and Peter. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Can you please give me and Peter a brief overview of your background and career outside of wine? Yes. So I'm an actor, I guess. Got to that. I started in the early 80s in film and television. I've done a number of different things that, as you mentioned, people might know me from, starting with Dune, directed by David Lynch and Blue Velvet, and then segueing into, I guess, popular shows like Twin Peaks. I was also Sex and the City and Desperate Housewives. One of my favorites was the Flintstones, just because I was a huge Flintstones fan when I was a kid. So we did a live action version. And I've been, yeah, I've been busy and still working and just wrapped up a new series coming for Amazon called Fallout which is based on the world of the Fallout video game, but an independent story within that world, within the realities of that world, directed by Jonah Nolan. He is the creator of Westworld and Lisa Joy. So very much looking forward to the reception for that. Video game movies or shows are very popular these days with The Last of Us. So I'm super excited to see what that that is like. Great. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed Last of Us. Especially since Robert's day job is in video games. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is that right? Ah, I didn't know. I didn't know. Very cool. So you're familiar with Fallout then? Yes, very familiar. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. I'm an overseer. So that's the the, the role I play. So pretty cool. Whereas I have no idea what Fallout is. But (laughs) (laughs) there's still time for you, Peter. That's all right. There's still still time. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Good. So yeah, just and I've been doing this for a long, long time. Back to wine, I guess. So like, why and when did you decide to start Pursued by Bear? Oh, gosh. So, like anything, it wasn't a straight line. I grew up in eastern Washington, oblivious to the wine scene there. I graduated high school in 77, which was the year Leonetti put their flag in the ground and said, we're putting a a tasting room in a winery in eastern Washington, which was the very first. So, I was on my merry way to school at the University of Washington and, and had always been a wine drinker, which is odd. I didn't care for beer or spirits, but wine just appealed. So, younger than I should have in high school. And then through college, I would enjoy a glass of wine, usually with a meal. It seemed very civilized to me and I enjoyed it. My career took me to Los Angeles. And from Los Angeles, of course, you you know take visits to Napa. And I fell more and more in love with just exploring the wine region and learning about what was there. And in particular, the people. I came in contact with Ann Colgan. It's a wonderful winery, Colgan Cellars. And Doug Schaefer is is a friend, just people that I met just kind of wandering in Napa and listened to their stories and began to formulate a plan. This would have been in the, I guess, the late 1990s about doing something like this in Napa, which I thought about and then quickly sort of discarded because it's so expensive. And it was my wife who actually pointed me towards Washington and said, you should really consider Washington State. That's the story. And I said, hmm, okay. And I had been drinking wines in Washington and I thought, you know, they're actually making some pretty good stuff here. I think it's possible, but I had no entry point until 
kind of a chance meeting with Eric Dunham while I was searching for a wonderful Syrah to serve at my wedding reception in Miami. My wife and I were married in Miami and I wanted Washington wine to be on the menu. And I, I got in touch with Eric and I don't know why, but I, I invited him to the wedding and he came to the wedding in Miami. I didn't really know him that well, had a great time and our friendship developed. And a few years later, I asked him if he would partner with me on a, I think I may have called it a wine adventure. This is how I viewed it at the time. And he agreed, handshake deal, 50-50, let's go see what, and it was really, let's go see what happens. No expectations. I knew very little about what it took to make great wine. And that was part of the reason I got into it was to learn. And it seemed like an awful lot of fun. And that's how I started in 2005. That was my first vintage of Pursued by Bear. Wow. So fast forwarding today. So how big is the brand and how many kinds of wines do you make? We're tiny. We're about 3,000 case production. Currently, I have five different wines that I make. 2005, I started with the Pursued by Bear Cabernet, which was a blend. At that time, it was actually a Cab Merlot Syrah blend in 05. Currently, it's a little more Bordeaux-focused. So Cab Merlot, Cab Franc comes in and out of the blend, depending upon the quality for that year. In 2008, I introduced my Syrah called Baby Bear. My son was born in 2008. The wine started in 2008. I called it Baby Bear, and I was stuck with bears. There was no, <laughs> there was no, no grand scheme to make bears the focal point of the brand. It just kind of developed. And the Syrah was a big hit immediately. Uh, Syrah from Washington State, as you all know, is, is just extraordinary. And this was a really, really good one too. A few years later, I made a rosé just because why not? I love rosé. I love Bandol inspired, meaning Grenache, Mouvedre, some Cinso, you know, that sort of style. I think Washington has such great temperature shifts, diurnal shifts, that the acid, the minerality, not the minerality, the acidity of the wine is really really good and really lends itself, I think, to a rosé. And so that was, I started that in 2015 and then added two more wines, kind of an entry level called Bear Cub, um, 2016. And then uh, then, then I went kind of austere with a 100% Cabernet, like 100 cases, very small production called Twin Bear, which is kind of leaning into the Twin Peaks idea a little bit, but not really. And it's, yeah, it's, I guess, kind of the more of a prestige wine, I guess. It's 100% cab and uh, it's it's wonderful. So the wine you're most famous for is Baby Bear? And the, is that the largest production? I would say between Pursued and Baby Bear, both. Um, no, Baby Bear is actually one of the smaller. I mean, it's like currently we're on only around 300 case production. Pursued is right around 500, maybe a little bit less cases. I make the most of the sort of the entry level, which is the Bear Cub, which is about a thousand cases. And that's a blend Kind of a second label, but it, the quality is extremely high because, I don't know, I just, I don't like making anything unless it's excellent, <laughs> or at least the attempt is to make it excellent. So, and that's been an exceptional, a wonderful journey, the little cub. So, yeah, I guess the Pursued by Bear is maybe the, would be maybe the most known, I think. And so as we start to dive into how you think about merging or how you created the brand Pursued by Bear and merging it with your acting career, you played a touched a bit on some of those elements. Maybe if we step back a bit to how you came up with that winery name, Pursued by Bear, how did that <laughs> How did that even come about? It's a mystery. It wasn't my first choice. In fact, when I started, I was 
in a partnership with uh, with Eric Dunham, and they had been making wine. They started in '95 with Dunham Cellars, and uh, we made every attempt to try to combine our names. Every combination, Dunham and McLaughlin, sounded like we we should be making Scotch whiskey. <laughs> so it just didn't didn't really lend itself to the label, and I didn't want to put my name on the front of the label necessarily. So I was searching around for something that sort of spoke to my day job, I guess. I, When I left my training at the University of Washington, I worked at the Shakespeare Festival in Ashland, Oregon for a season. I love Shakespeare. And I was looking for something that would kind of throw me back to the theater, I guess. And after a few failed attempts, some were because the trademark was already taken, some were just not that good. I had an epiphany, if you want to call it that. And I thought, you know, there's this fantastic stage direction in Winter's Tale. Nobody knows about it. Well, some people know about it. And it goes, exit pursued by a bear. And it's just kind of an audacious stage direction because it just, you know, it demands that a bear or something that that might represent a bear comes on stage, chases an actor off, and then he meets a kind of a sad end (laughs) in the next scene. And something about it I really, really liked. And I, I was rolling it around in my head and we, it was actually with my wife and we were on our way back from Napa. We'd been up visiting and she had a dinner engagement that night with Steve Martin and I was invited to go. And so we went to Steve's place and I didn't know Steve. She had known him for a number of years and we sat and I, after a glass or two of wine, I got the courage up to ask him, Steve, maybe I even called him Mr. Martin. What do you think about this name? for a wine. And he thought it was great. And that was the stamp of approval that I needed. And we were off and running. So that's how I based my decision on, on a comics validation. <laughs> as good as any in terms of, there's a lot of names for wines out there and it definitely oh, has, a, has a lot of imagery to it. Very hard to find a new name. So It's so hard to find, to name something, let alone a child for God's sakes. But what about a, a wine? It's just, you know, because it's got to, it's got to do a lot of things. And this was great because it was odd. You know, people are like have a question mark. No one ever gets it quite right the first time I say it. Or they would say, how's your wine? How's that Chase by Bear going? Or how's that, you know? And I'm like, oh, it's good, good, good. Thank you. And it's it lends itself to a fantastic visual, I thought, on the label. But again, it wasn't, a, it was a gut feeling, you know, just an impulse that I followed. And as I look back on my process, in the wine business, so much of it is, was, is following an instinct, following a gut idea. And that goes with the people that I'm involved with as well. I've surrounded myself, I think, with, with really terrific people, very smart. They know what they're doing. And I listen to everything, you know, I listen, I sit back and listen to what they say because they know. And, you know, even some of the, some of the hesitation, maybe originally with the name, we can overcame that. And I'm so glad that it's called Pursued by Bear because again, it, it stands out, I think a little bit from the crowd. And it's not me. I mean, I, I have my name in the signature on the back label, but there's no kind of, I'm not up, I'm not front and center of this, of this brand in that way. You know, I'm curious. So, so you said you started in 2005 with your first vintage. How involved are you in the business, both on a winemaking or operational perspective? And I'm curious of like, how has that changed over the, you know, from 2005 to now? It's a good question. When I first started in 2005, I was really a dilettante. You know, I loved the going and the, the environment and fancied myself sort of a gentleman winemaker and that, you know, that kind of thing. And, but the heavy lifting was done where I was making it, Dunham Cellars at the time. 
And I would involve myself, depending upon my career, as little or more, but it kept rolling along. And in 2016, I took over ownership of the brand 100%, dissolved the partnership, and sort of rolled up my sleeves and said, okay, I, I, I'm at a point now where I'm really, I really want to dig into this. I really want to invest myself in it. And I had surrounded myself with some excellent people. Dan Wampfler has been my winemaker since 2008, 2007, 2008, shortly after I, I landed at Dunham. And Dan is, he's been the head of this train and we've had a, just a pretty exceptional journey. He's now working, has been working at a winery called Abeja in Walla Walla. And this is where I custom crush. Uh, pursued by bear so my all the wines are right under his direct eye at abeja i have a little a little corner with my tanks and my barrels and everything when he oversees that and i'm you know i spend at least a few hours every day involved in this business it takes a lot of time and effort and energy and right now i'm in the process of of kind of editing the language for the back labels for the five wines i'm introducing a little bit of a new design and we have a Chardonnay that's coming. So I'm writing copy for that. You know, it's making decisions on foils and stock and custom and what we're going to do. And I'm working with a terrific designer, Chanda Williams, on this. So I'm very hands-on. And that goes all the way into the process. I was just up blending, as I said, with Dan. We make decisions on vineyard sources. I follow his lead. You know, he's so smart and he has so many wonderful relationships in the Columbia Valley and Walla Walla and the Columbia Valley with with the growers. And I'm constantly sort of looking for fruit and tasting a lot of Washington wines to find out kind of what AVAs are working, what vineyards are working, what I like. So I'm pretty involved in the process and I have not lost the fun. I really love it. I love the process and I love working with the people that I have surrounding me. So Kyle, how have you thought about your acting career and celebrity in the context of Pursue by Bear? How do those things intersect? Well, they're complementary, I think. They really, being, having the celebrity moniker, I think it's a help and it's also a little of a hindrance, I think. And I knew going in, it was going to be challenging. You know, people hear celebrity wines and they're like, ah. And I said, well, there's really no way I'm going to change the perception, you know, straight away. I just have to walk the walk. And over time, and I've been now doing this since 2005, I said, the perception will change, you know, which it has. And so it's still people I have to win over, which I, I enjoy, actually. I, I get a great deal of fun going into a, like a, a ride along or, you know, work the market, going somewhere where people aren't necessarily familiar with the wines. I was just in Boston not too long ago working with Martinetti out there. And we went around and some people knew and some people didn't. I mean, there's huge Twin Peaks fans and that's great. And they're excited. And they just want to meet me. And then they taste the wine and they're like, oh, that's great. I think there's kind of a surprise, you know. There are some people that don't even know me or care about me, but they're drawn to the wine and what they've heard. So it kind of works in both ways, both levels. I think the celebrity has certainly helped bring attention to the wine and I have the ability to use my social and reach out to those people. But majority of those people aren't really wine people, I've found. They might be curious, but... They're not necessarily ordering a case of wine from me, but the fans are really they're a big part of it as well. I mean, I I have, particularly from Twin Peaks and some work, I, I have people that are really, really, they really care. Not so much about the wine, but more about me, which is okay, which is fine. 
we'll bring them around to the wine world eventually. Hopefully. That's the goal, right? Yeah, we'll bring more people the into the world of wine. But <laughs> exactly. uh, do you think you've gotten more maybe like press or articles written about Pursued by Bear than you would have otherwise? Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's really helped. I think that as an angle, I think as an actor, having different outlets, I think the people who write the articles, writers, I think they... They kind of search for that kind of thing. So this is something that, oh, he also has a wine. Oh, let's talk about that. You know, it just adds, I think, to the to their approach of me. And and I love talking about it. So I definitely think I've I've have been able to use that notoriety in a in a positive way. I, I like to think that I not only just for my brand, but as a bit of an ambassador for Washington State. So I travel a great deal and I'm represented in a number of different states around the country as well as Japan and in the UK and Washington wine's a little a little more known in Japan but in the UK it's it's so far away you know so you go there and I really get this bring the good news about Washington state and the quality of the wine there and and value for quality and I enjoy that I like also being I fancy myself a bit of an ambassador whether it's true or not I'd like to think of myself as one I think Washington State's been doing a pretty good job of getting its name out, probably helped by you and, and many others as well, as starting to really build a reputation over the last few years. I agree. I agree. I think it's I think people are really starting to take notice. And I think it's as seems as not the tastes change necessarily, but people are always curious about what's coming and what's new. And I think they've been really pleasantly surprised by the quality of what's coming out of Washington State. And it's a different profile. I always I always say we I'm inspired, and I think Washington is inspired from the east as opposed to from the south. So Bordeaux is really our, it's where I look to for my inspiration and the balance of wines that come from there and, and the flavor profiles that come from there. And I, and I feel that really is where we're connected more so than in the south, in California. And so if you're working on a TV show or movie and they need wine for that show. Does Pursued by Bear uh, automatically <laughs> get that placement? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm i not adverse to saying, hey, if you guys need a bottle on the table, you know what I mean? I'm, I know people. I'm happy to supply it. There was a bottle in, um, I think, in, I know in Desperate Housewives, we used it. Well, they asked me, that was the first, I think, they asked me about that. And then also in How I Met Your Mother, I think there might have been a placement of a bottle somewhere. No mention and, you know, no money changes hands, but it's just, it's really a, it's like a little Easter egg. It's fun for me to, to know that it's on set and it's in the bottle. Fun to talk about. One of the things that I think you recently redid your website, so I'm not sure if they've moved or vanished, but you used to do some short videos that talked about the different wines. And I felt like that made a lot of sense given you're an actor and you do a lot of yes. video media. How yes. did those play in terms of customer reception or, or consumer reception to the wine? I think they played well. I found it because I was just kind of speaking off the cuff and it was, it's challenging. You know, I'm much better when I have a script. It was, you know, wine speak doesn't kind of roll off my tongue. I had a lot more fun doing this little sequence called berry tales, which were these sort of very short skits that I filmed during the pandemic. So there was nothing else to do. So I filmed them in my backyard for the most part, but it involved the bear in sort of funny little scenarios in black and white. And the inspiration was sort of the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner, you know, hours, like a little bit of the Roadrunner always winning over Wile E. Coyote, me being Wile E. Coyote and the bear being like the Roadrunner. And those 
those were really fun to produce and put out there. And again, it was, it wasn't, I didn't want it to be me sitting at a table necessarily waxing poetic about the wine and a fireplace crackling behind me and, you know, that kind of vibe. It was more like, let's just have fun and be playful with this. And the brand is meant to be playful and fun in its visual and its approach, but it's also what's in the bottle is quite serious. And I know that um, Jeb Dunnick wrote a real nice thing in one of his reviews saying, you know, don't, don't be not put off, but he said, just what you're seeing here is, is playful, but the wine inside the bottle is actually quite serious. And that was, I guess the, I'm not going to say it was the original intent, but I did want to bring a sense of fun to what I was doing. And I think it's very reflected in the labels. You can see that with the labels that we have. I am curious because the wines are are kind of have their individual brands. As the vineyard sources for the fruit remained relatively consistent over the vintages, or are you thinking about them in in that kind of like AVA vineyard terms, or is it really kind of a more of like a style that you're going for with each of those? I have remained fairly consistent with my sourcing. I have had, for a number of years, I sourced from a vineyard called the De Brule Vineyard, and that relationship ended in 2020. And I started a relationship with Brad at um, Le Colline, which is a couple of reasons. One is that I think the fruit's extraordinary from Le Colline, but also that's a, in the Walla Walla AVA. And I'm sort of beginning to slowly move things closer to Walla Walla. I think part of that is because I think the quality is great there. I think Walla Walla is recognized as a, as a standout AVA. It's also closer to my winemaker. Dan makes his home there and I want him to be as close as he can to what we're growing. I've had a relationship with the Sagemore Group and uh, the Dionysus and Winebow Vineyards for a long time. So that has been consistent for my Syrah Finney Vineyard and Lewis Vineyard have been consistent from the very beginning. It's not without some fluctuations. For instance, I, I had a relationship with the Clipson Vineyard for for a couple of years and then moved off of that. That's up on Red Mountain and moved away from that. So I, I'm continually, you know, just there is a style, but I think more than anything, it's like what's coming off that vineyard and is it is it when we do our blending trials, is it working for what we're trying to do or is it not? And if it's not, we need to start thinking about some other place, but we're already thinking about other places and we're already tasting from other sources as well. And we make those decisions, you know, as when it's appropriate, you know, and I really, really lean on, on Dan for that. So, um, cause we do that together and often Amy Wampler, his wife, who's a wonderful winemaker in her own right will be in, in the blending as well. She's got a fantastic nose. So it's more of a communal process. Communal? Yeah. <laughs> collaborative it's a group effort it's collaborative thank you that's what I'm looking for it's a group effort yeah it's a too I guess <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah we then in our commune and with all these different ways that people have gotten to learn about Pursued by Bear what do you think has been the most helpful in terms of marketing and gaining new customers you know I gotta say the the most effective is just the, the hand sell the meeting the person the one-on-one hearing the story. It's part of the reason why I opened the tasting room a couple of months ago. We're actually having our grand opening April 14th in Walla Walla and we nearly sold out, which is pretty cool. It's just, it's not a very big space. So we need to sort of allocate how many people can come in at one time. But I feel that that connection that you make, you know, it's a hand sell product is really the most effective I've been virtual for until the tasting room, actually, and have had some some success with that. To be honest, the Zoom tastings that we did during the pandemic were incredibly helpful. I sold a lot of wine because 
they could taste the wine, they could hear the story. So you realize it's kind of, um, you know, it's you need to get people interested and involved in what you're doing and your story and what it's all about. And I think certainly helped by my career, people are interested in what I've done and that's fantastic. But I say, and, you know, I have this wine <laughs> that I'm really proud of and I would love for you to be part of our group, part of our team, you know? And so it really just comes down to that. I don't know if that's the same with other people that you've spoken with, other winemakers, other owners, but it's the one-on-one is building your clients because they love your story and they like the wine and they're up for the journey. That's definitely the best way, not always the most scalable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It depends on how much stamina you have. (laughs) So you're in the process of opening, uh, launching a tasting room in Walla Walla. How do you think about designing that experience there for Pursuit by Bear? It's super personal for me. I'm really, I want the space that people come to, to be inviting, to be comfortable, to be pleasurable. I want them to really enjoy their time there. And I have a wonderful tasting room manager, Stacy Pike, who will greet them and get them seated. And, you know, it's a very, it's a simple standalone building, small building, historical building. I put uh, cork floors in. I love cork floors. It's first of all, sustainable. It's also beautiful. And it's also kind of deadens the sound, which is awesome. And I've got, you know, just sort of kind of this oak tables. And uh, there's a beautiful big bronze bear that I had commissioned from a local artist there, Brad Rude, that also greets you there. He's sort of a He's a friendly bear. And I just, you know, again, I want people to feel like they can come and sit and enjoy and be in an environment that they they really feel comfortable in, which I think we've created. And it was, it was all sort of my design and thoughts and direction. And it worked out very well. I'm really happy with it. So what do you think would be the draw for someone to visit the Pursued by Bear tasting room? Is it like how the balancing of they're coming because they know the wine or its location or they're coming because of you? I think it's a mix. I think, you know, Walla Walla is a destination place. You know, it's in southeastern Washington. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So if you're going to go there, you're going there for a purpose, which is primarily, I think, during the summer months and late spring and early fall as well, is, is the wine world. You know, you're coming to taste wine, visit different wineries that you're aware of, and they have they have tremendous patronage from obviously people in Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, and Canada. A little more difficult to get to from the East Coast. But I think people come, you know, honestly, I, a big chunk of it is probably curiosity, fans. I'm going to be there on the 14th, greeting people, talking about the wine, you know, saying hello, whatever, which I'm looking forward to. I enjoy that as well. So I think there's that. But I think there's also, I'm building a really nice group of people who love the wines. And the wines are available, but not super common, you know? So if there is a curiosity or you've not tried certain wines that I have, you can come to the tasting room and they'll be there. And you'll be able to taste some of the other stuff that we're making. So I think it's a combination. I would say probably, you know, it's more fan curiosity at the moment, but there are definite people that are coming because they love the wine and they they want to hear more about the story. And what are the key things besides wine that you want people to take away after their visit? You know, I want them to really feel like, and this is part of what we're building out too, which is a little, not a club necessarily, but it's, now I'm calling it a group that if you want to join, you'll receive a certain amount of wine every year of certain things that you want. So make sure that they're available. But I want people to come away with with a feeling of like 
they're participating in something, that they are on a journey with me, that whatever I do, I do at the highest quality that I can in the moment. I want them to feel like they're a part of something special. You give them an experience that they will enjoy and, and want to return to. I just love the idea of being able to make people happy, I think. And uh, that really is the number one goal. So when they visit this space, how much of you will be present in that space versus like the brand? Like, are you going to see like your acting memorabilia all over the place? Or is it going to be more like <laughs> very little, a different experience? Very, li- <laughs> very little. I'm kind of embarrassed about all that. Funny enough, it's like in some ways it's like, I know it's there, but it's like, I'm not, I don't want to hit you over the head with it. I really want the wine to lead the way. I, there are a couple things there. I have, I think, a Twin Peaks bobblehead and I'll probably have a, you know, a mug, you know, some kind of Twin Peaks mug or something like that. But I'm still, I'm still really honestly, Robert, I'm wrestling with this. How much of that do I want to bring? And I know I need to bring some, but I'm more apt to put it uh, like a poster in the bathroom, you know, than, right. than, than to have it out front. Subtle Easter eggs. Really, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I like that. In fact, it's funny on the, the Pursued by Bear label, just as a kind of a trick I put, under the outstretched paw of the bear, uh, if you look really closely, there's the Roman numerals, like three capital I's and three lowercase I's, which stand for Act 3, Scene 3, which is where the stage direction exit pursued by a bear falls in the play. And there, it's just tucked away. It almost looks like it's part of the floor, but it's tucked away in there. So I, I love stuff like that. So, And I've actually thought and was talking with the company about doing a little bit of AR in the tasting room. I haven't really figured out quite how that might work, but just like a little something extra that's a surprise. I love the surprise and delight. And so that that's a big appeal to me. So we'll see. Trying to integrate that. And how often will you actually be there to meet people who come and visit? As much as I possibly can. That's the kind of the great unknown. I'll be up there for the spring release. I'll be up there for our opening, which is uh, mid-April, for spring release, which was the, that first weekend in May. So, for example, I'm <laughs> talking about like just something unusual. I have, I'm going to hire three musicians, strolling players, if you will, to walk kind of around the town. It's a small town and with a little bit of music interlude. And I'll have like a little flyer or something <laughs> that I will have that they can pass out. But people will be able to enjoy a little Elizabethan style strolling minstrels there during spring release on, on the Saturday. So just something fun to look forward to. I was joking with Peter. Is like, is there going to be a life-size cutout of, of Kyle when he's not there at the winery? <laughs> oh, there are he people that would love to have one at his winery. So I was, <laughs> you got to do it now. You no, do it. no, 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 no. It's like, I have a little bobblehead, I think, on the counter there. So no, it's really, whatever I'm going to put in there, I want it. It's, everything is, is thought through. You know, curated. Yeah, it really is. I want it to be that special of an experience. You know, I have like a couple things there. I have my grandfather's fishing creel, the old wicker, you know, kind of fishing creel that he had. Just they were from Spokane. He was a doctor in Pasco for the railroad there, I think the Northern Pacific back in the, wow, when he first started in the 30s and 40s. So he's, his presence is really important to me. So I just wanted a little something there that reminded me of him and just stuff like that. You know, there's a few little, pieces of memorabilia there that are kind of important. And I wanted, I do, I wanted to almost feel like a home 
comfortable enough to be like you're in, in someone's, you know, a home and a special, you come to a special room in the house to be, to kind of have this experience. And so a lot of people, when they start a winery, their first customers are really their friends and family. Has <laughs> yes. your network of friends and colleagues in Hollywood been a core customer base or helped you spread the word of Pursued by Bear? Surprisingly, not really. <laughs> I was thinking the same. I was thinking the same thing. You know, I was talking to my brand manager, Katie Sims, and we were saying, "Oh, this is going to be a no-brainer when you're talking about selling wine, right?" Because Kyle, you know, so many people. There's, you know, so many friends in Hollywood. Blah blah blah. Well, I do, but not many of them are big wine drinkers or wine aficionados. So they're happy to help me promote, cross promote something. But, you know, it doesn't really translate into a bigger audience. You know, I don't think there's a a magic formula like that. You know, I go back to the fact that you need to engage people. They need to hear your story, you know, each person and they have to, it either strikes a chord in them or it doesn't. And hopefully you build your customer base slowly but surely because people really, you know, get caught up in that and they and they care about what you're doing and they want to be involved in it. But it doesn't work to just say, hey, Kyle's making wine. It's great. You should get it. And you're like, eh, okay. But I, I need to be able to ground it in something, you know? So yeah, the friends and family helps, but it became pretty clear pretty quickly that I needed to do more than that. And And it was kind of, we were joking earlier before we were on about selling wine, you know, and what that involves. And I remember making the wine and I was such a, I was such an, so green. It was like, okay, we made 300 cases. That was our first production in 2005. And so we're done. It was just good. We'll just sell it. You know, we'll sell it in the Dunham tasting room. And he said, oh no, no, we won't sell that much in the tasting room. You have to, you have to, you have to go out now and become a salesperson. And I'm like, what? I was like, okay. And, uh, turns out I actually, really enjoyed it. I love meeting people. I love talking about wine. I love talking about Washington State wine. I mean, they're, you know, they're always curious about career and stuff. I'm happy to talk about that too, but I really want to bring the, the good word of what's happening in Washington. And, you know, I, I do that with my distribution around the country. I mentioned I was in Boston with Martin Yeti uh, not long ago. I've got a wonderful distributor in New York, Regal Wines, Winebow, handles me in Washington and California. And I really like going out with the sales force and seeing where my wine could potentially end up. They don't always say yes, but, you know, particular restaurants, particular stores, meeting the people face-to-face, telling them the story. And I really enjoy it. So I guess that was lucky. (laughs) And most of the time, are you going to like where the wines end up? Are you going mostly to like specialty wine retailers? I'm assuming given the price points? Yeah, usually the places I go, and there's just some funny little spots, you know, but they're all like into wine. You know, one of my favorites is uh, Talitha would be, she's got a uh, vine wine in, in Brooklyn and she's curated a beautiful, it comes down to curation again, right? She's curated a beautiful shop. Everything is, everything that's in there is her, you know, she's picked it. It's there for a reason, either for a customer or she loves it, or she feels like, you know, people should know about this wine. And I love that. I love being part of that because it's a lot of effort and heart attention to detail has gone into her process. And that's the same way I feel about this brand, this wine, my tasting room, anything that I'm doing that's associated with Pursued by Bear should be of the highest level quality and is there for a real specific purpose. This is, it'd be no, I'm not interested in just doing something and like, you know, putting my name on it and letting it go. It's like, ah, what's the fun in that? It's like, I want this to be, and I think it has to do again with how I want people, how I want them to, to feel. I want to affect them in this way that is a very positive, 
and, and something that we can share. That's the goal. Awesome. Thank you for all that background on Pursued by Bear <laughs> and how you're, how you kind of like mix your personal brand with this wine brand that you're creating and juggling both of those things. It's, uh, it's complex and intertwined yeah. in some points and, and, and not so much in some others, right? I think yeah. it's a good story to tell. Thanks. We'd like to wrap up each episode on a personal note though. And we are curious, what was the most memorable wine you've drank in the last year and who did you drink it with? Well, the story that I want to tell is, is a little before that. It's been, <laughs> it actually happened in 1983, but it was, it was a turning point in my life and in my career. And it has to do with David Lynch, who I worked with a number of different times, were joined at the hip. And I had come to Los Angeles to audition for a movie called Dune. And I'd been seen on tape and David had been seen it and I met David and we had a conversation and he wanted to be the screen test. And I learned the dialogue. I came to Los Angeles and I did my screen test with David for Dune. And first time in front of a camera, first time doing anything like this for me. And I remember going back to my room at the Beverly Garland Hotel. <laughs> what was it? It's the Beverly Garland Hotel in Burbank, I think. And there on the table in my room was a bottle of Lynch Baj wine. And David and I, during our first meeting, when he had given me the script and said, come back and screen test, we had talked a lot about red wine. And we had talked specifically about Lynch Baj and how he had learned about it because his name is David Lynch. And he was like, oh, this is David has, you know, any, you know, so he made that connection. And he was thoughtful enough to send me this bottle after the screen test as a way of saying, I think, as a way of saying, you are my choice for this role. Even though he didn't have final say, he said, you are my choice. And while we did not drink that wine together, ever since then on special occasions, birthdays, Christmas, we share bottles of Lynch Baj together. So it's been a number of years, <laughs> a lot of bottles of Lynch Baj back and forth. And that was my, I guess, my intro to working in film. And that's how it started. And also the seed for your wine explorations as well. It probably it probably was my very first Bordeaux. It was like, hmm, look what's possible. Uh, awesome. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm assuming you have a bunch of Lynch Baj in the cellar as well as uh, I David. Do. I have some from David and I have some that I have to give to him. So <laughs> I keep a good stash at hand. Out of curiosity, do you remember the vintage you had? Because that would have been... Well, it was 83. So it was early 83. So I, honestly, I don't recall what vintage it was. I wish I'd been more savvy at the time. I don't know, you know, could, I don't know if it was something particularly early or just, uh, you know, who knows, maybe late 70s. I don't know. It'd be really great to have that now. <laughs> well, it's, it's great that you keep going back to that, that same chateau. It's yeah. wonderful. Well, we want to thank you for joining uh, our episode and, and talking about Pursued by Bear. Definitely wines to check out. And so we'll link up the social media for Pursued by Bear as well as the website so people can check it out. And yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get some more, more people to check out the brand and, uh, and learn more about uh, what's going on in the bottle. That would be really wonderful. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, Shame. cheers. <laughs>